share a couple things uh, before I begin the message today. Today is actually a, a kind of a standalone Sunday. That means it's not a part of a message series. We, the 40-day challenge begins next weekend, so we kind of set it apart for a lot of different things happening today. One of those, of course, was celebrating the Scouts this morning, which we have done. Uh, but uh, most folks probably know, if you don't know, in July the 1st, uh, I will be uh, becoming a district superintendent uh, and be leaving as a pastor here. Uh, there may be a two or three who don't know that. Uh, we announced that last weekend. E-news went out to everyone that we had an E-news for. It's been being discussed for quite a while. So I want to share a few things simply to know, well, you know what's next uh, for all of us in our church family and for you especially. One is to be aware that as of July the 1st, I won't be preaching the service anymore, obviously. Uh, I'll be somewhere else serving God in a new and a different way, exciting way, but also sad to leave you, and you get that. I know you know that. Uh, but Pastor David Alexander, our senior pastor, will be, we will be preaching all the sanctuary services, 8.15, 9.30, 11 o'clock. He'll robe up, shine his shoes. He'll be sharing with you the good news. Uh, uh, from this point forward, so that's what's happening in this service. He'll be working, he'll be, he'll be serving a partner as I have for many years with, with Scott and sharing the good news with you. I know you're excited about that, so please be aware. That's one thing that's going to happen for, for sure. Saturday night, Pastor David is going to preach that service as well, which he has been doing. He's preaching four times, which I did for years, so I know it's doable. And uh, he's excited about serving in that way. Now, we also have right now two services happening as we are serving right now. We have the well and the chapel. The building will be full over there. The well cafe, that's full as well. And Pastor Johnny will be preaching those services beginning on July the 1st. We're confident that that's, going to, that's a, that God's will and direction for our church family. Excited about that. David's been, of course, on our staff now, serving in all kinds of ways for 11 years. Been senior pastor for one year. Done an amazing job with that. So continue to serve you. He has 17, 17 years of experience serving the church in all kinds of ways. We know he has uh, the skill, the experience, uh, uh, the, the years to be able to serve you well. Johnny's been on our staff 11 years as well. And so you have folks who already know our church well, know you well, serve well, love God. They've, they've already stood the test of time and we're ready for them to re be released to serve you in a, in a really more uh, ongoing way. And that's what's happening as well in our church also. Now, who is going to take my place? Well, there's really not a place to take that you can really define. Uh, there's not like, here's what Mike does. There, there's not any way to really put that on paper and say, let's get someone just like Mike to do that. I'm not saying that I'm hard to replace, but I've been here 21 years, so you can't just replace someone who's been on staff and leading the church for that length of time. Someone is going to be appointed by our bishop probably, July, probably in July. Uh, and Pastor David, our Pastor Parish Relations Committee, and the bishop and others are involved in that decision-making process, which probably is in place right now. That discussion is happening today. So someone will come in here to work with uh, probably pastoral care, probably an older adult ministry, certainly boomers and beyond for those who are familiar with that, and other areas as well. And so that's going to happen. There probably will be somebody else, too, who will come in. Because my salary is enough to get two people, by the way, so just kind of have that in your mind. <laughs> How many thought that might be true? Uh, oh, yeah, ha, you knew. And so that's probably going to happen as well. And it might take two people to take my place, too, maybe. No, 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 no. Yeah. 
uh, but anyway, that's going to happen. And so just pray for that process, those who are coming in. Pray for Rhonda and myself as we, because Rhonda's spinning like a top right now and uh, selling a house and moving and changing and all this happening in our life. And again, we're excited about new adventures, but sad about leaving you. But uh, again, I've said that already today. But anyway, pray for us as well in what's happening. And we'll be back off and on for various reasons. We have two grandkids here, or two of the major reasons that we will be, be back many times. So we'll see you. Uh, but again, the change is it's happening in that way. Also, two more things. Uh, uh, we have, uh, after 40 Day Challenge, we have two special message series that are happening. The first one is going to be in April, and it's called Declutter. And you'll hear more about what that means as we get closer to that. Pastor David will be preaching that series, and Pastor John will preach that series, as we'll be doing in July. So we'll have that one month where I won't be preaching at all, which would be really, really weird, but, uh, but he'll be doing that. And then in May, I'll be preaching all the services by video feed and personally, where I get a chance to talk to everybody for a four-week series, and it's called Confession of a Pastor. Not <laughs> Now, don't go the wrong direction with Confessions of a Pastor. I'm not going to confess my inner sins to you uh, here in a public setting. Though ask Rhonda, she may or may not, probably won't tell you. Uh, but we will be talking about really things I've learned in ministry all the years. I've served 38 years and things that I want to share with you. That I actually was, already going to, was going to do that series in July. It was already set to do, moving it up. And so I'm excited about that as well. So I hope that clears some things up for you and brings a little bit less anxiety and, and also says, hey, God's working on what we're doing. We're going the right direction. We'll, we'll see and we'll cite this. And I'll say what I said last Sunday. Uh, I'm not giving you to Pastor David. Uh, I'm giving Pastor David to you. You have made me successful. Make him successful. And that's simple enough. And so I move now on to the sermon. One of the things that probably might a gripe that I have about this new communities, new building areas, even my own area that I, we live in there in Mansfield National is, for a period of years, for some reason, there were a lot of builders who put these wooden fences up that only last five years. I mean, they're stuck in the ground, they rot off at the base, and they fall down, like ours did. Anybody else have your fence fall down? You're not, I'm not the only one. And you thought, why did they build a thing like this? There's got to be a better way. And of course there is. When we put our new fence up, guess what we used? We used steel and concrete. A no-brainer, right? That's how you know we didn't know we were moving. We would have done that. We'd have gone with the cheap ones. <laughs> hey, it only needs to last five years if we're heading out of here, so... So whoever gets our house is going to have one that's going to last. You know, and, and today we're talking about steel and concrete and, and what makes our life work because the Bible is full of amazing things that Jesus teaches us. We can use the word commandments. In fact, he said, do what I command you and it'll be like your house is built on a rock and not sand. You probably know that. We could name some commands, certainly. He, he actually named six of the Ten Commandments directly. Don't steal, don't kill, don't covet, those kind of commandments. He said, love God, love your neighbor. That's a commandment called the Great Commandment. Remember the poor. But he also gave us three other commandments I'm going to talk about in a moment that we often don't think of as God's commandments to you and me through his son, Jesus Christ. And they're around really three important things that we got to think about. The first is 
the fact of God. They're around that there is a God, God exists, and God is all-powerful. So they're built around the idea that God is. The fact of God is where these commands come from. The second is the faithfulness of God. God. We have a loving God who cares about us. He cares so much, he gave his son Christ to die for us and proved his love that way. And so we have that kind of love from God. And we also have the favor of God. God wants us. He pours favor upon us. He wants our life to be good, full, blessed, and blessing. Those are all simple ideas. Yet there are three things that I think drive us away from that and prevent that from happening, and that's not God's will. Those three things are, first, fear. Fear will drive us into the ground and will take others with us when we go. Fear destroys lives, destroys faith, destroys a good life, a blessed life, a joyful life, a meaningful life. Second thing is worry. Worry leads to unreasonable, irrational feelings and the behaviors that follow. And we say, what happened when life goes the wrong direction because of anxiety or worry within us? The third is doubt. Doubt will separate us from God and the God we cannot live without. And for some reason, as human beings, we are drawn to worry, we are drawn to doubt, we are drawn to be afraid. And Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, everyone who's afraid, who worries and doubts, and see what new life can be like walking with me. And these commands are around that truth that God gives us and how important they are. We can't live and experience Christian life fully, fully without obeying them. Now I want to ask you, uh, for those who have been in our church a while, I want to ask you to give me a little bit of grace here uh, in what I'm going to say next. I have said on occasion and even put, uh, did some notes occasionally out that say this, that say, God's not worried about us being happy. He's only worried about us being faithful. I have said that, and I'm going to say now, I think I've been wrong about that. Now, I do believe that faithfulness brings happiness, but I believe God does want us to be happy. I've made a mistake when I said that. Hope you, hope you didn't take me seriously when that came out to you. God Wants to, why, do I, why do I believe that? Because doing some research the last couple of weeks, I discovered that, that the Bible says 2,700 times that God wants us to be, jubil, to, to be jubilant and happy and joyful. Almost 3,000 times it says it. Okay, I've been wrong 3,000 ways. He wants us to be happy. We are, and we in fact are wired as God created us to be happy and seek after it. Are you hearing me now? Then when you're looking for happiness, you're actually wired by God to try to find that, to experience that, know that. Now, the answer, though, is we can't be happy without God. That's really the answer. That's where faithfulness comes in, that he says you can only be happy in Christ, in me, and to find it there. Randy Alcorn wrote, wrote this. And I want you to hear this, these words carefully. He says that Satan, you can say the devil or evil, whatever you want to, word you want to use, but he uses the word Satan. Satan hates God, he hates us, and he hates happiness as much as he hates holiness. 
I want you to think about that. Satan hates God, of course. He hates us. And he hates happiness as much as he hates holiness. Why do you think that's true? I think it is true. I think it's true because we cannot live for, serve, share, love God in the kingdom of God if we're not very happy. If we're miserable, we're not going to be effective. Who wants to become a Christian if Christians are miserable? Right? Who wants to follow Christ if we don't live holy lives reflecting who he really is? And so that statement is a powerful rethinking for me of what God wants for his people who say, I believe in you, Jesus, holy and happiness. Because fear, anxiety, doubt can drive us to despair until we're sucked into that and we're useless to God or ourselves and the life of walking with God becomes simply an idea and not a reality for us. The words the Bible uses for happiness are happiness, many times, by the way, joy, gladness, merriment, celebration, cheer and cheerful, laughter, delight, jubilation, exaltation, and almost always in a direct correlation with our relationship with God or Jesus and our Jesus Christ. Those words are there for us to be able to see. As we come to God in this moment of saying, I want that, where do I find it? How do I get it? How do we connect that way? And there are three things the Bible says, and I'm going to read some Bible for you now. Uh, very quickly, three verses, and what goes with those verses, if you're following your message page normally, now's the time to pay attention to that. You can write it down, and I'll, it's there for you to see here as I fill in the little blanks I do for you. The first command, stop it. He says, stop this, stop this, stop this, and you'll experience this, this, and this. Where we're going, why we see it as a command. First of all, do not doubt. He says, do not doubt. Luke 24, 38. Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Now, what is he saying? I think the Lord is saying, you have to trust me. If you don't, none of this is going to work. You're not going to experience long-term happiness. You're not going to know what life with me is really like. You're not going to discover ways you can live life in a way you do not know already. You're not going to experience God's work in your life the way you want. You've you got to trust me. It's not that he's saying, I don't like it when you doubt me. He's saying it's for your own, yeah, for your own good. If you trust me, that's going to go so much better for you. And so he begins by saying, just don't doubt why are you troubled, he says, in a time of chaos? He just told his disciples, he's given, you know, um, big changes are coming. Why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? What do you worry about? Even though you're in chaos, life seems uncertain, you're out of control, it seems. Trust me, it'll be very, very different for you. It's the first thing that is said. The second one is do not worry. In Matthew 6, 25, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Because they were worried. Their world was falling apart. The economy was in a very difficult place. Talking about ancient Israel there, the time of Jesus. Uh, they were occupied by a foreign enemy. It was bad times. We know nothing about bad times compared to what they were experiencing. And he says, hey, don't worry about your life. And he says, seek God's kingdom first. 
because that's where happiness is found. It's not that he's saying, I'm mad at you because you're not doing it. This will give you more in your life you're going to have without doing it. And the third one is do not fear. Matthew 6, 25, don't be afraid. And he says those words in the middle of a storm. They had every right to be afraid of a storm. And yet he says, don't be afraid. Don't be, do not fear. And then he, it's I. It's me. I'm here. And they were calmed. Storm was calmed as well. These Bible verses are directly related to our decision to follow Christ, to trust God and their, and their experience, the happiness that many of us do not experience. G.K. Chesterton and, and uh, the, the, the other author I read a few moments ago, uh, he, that's just a short time ago he wrote that book, a couple years old, fresh off the press. G.K. Chesterton uh, said these words more than a hundred years ago. Here's what he says. Jesus promised his disciples three things, that they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. That's the promise of the Lord. I'm going to read it again and add to it. G.K. Chesterton wrote, Jesus promised his disciples that they were three things, that they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. Most of today's Christians aren't any of these things. They're not happy. Uh, they, they, they're, they're afraid. And they don't do things that get them in trouble. They don't want to cross that line to be offensive or to be offended. or They don't want to do that. And so the, the, and what we're saying in, in that, that, that is, I'm not willing, please hear me, I'm not willing to trust God Trust Christ 100%. On Wednesday around 4 o'clock, uh, we're going to get on a plane and go to Israel. We're taking around 50 of us together. We'll be on that plane uh, heading off to uh, uh, the, the, the land of the Holy Land, we call that. We're looking forward to it. Pastor David and I are going. Pastor Tina's going. Pastor Sharon's staying here. So, hey, there she is. Would you give your phone number out so everybody can know what your phone number is? Okay. Uh, she'll be, she'll be, Pastor Caesar will be here and Pastor Johnny will be here. So you don't, won't be by yourself. There was a time I was the only pastor here. So, uh, you get six so that we can send three off and you still got them all over the place. So trip over a pastor if you don't look out. That's funny to me. Um, I've been, I've been many times to Israel. Uh, and one of the things that we do on that journey is besides going to Jerusalem and Bethlehem, as you might imagine, the Sea of Galilee, love doing that. We go to the Dead Sea, and while there we tour Masada, typically, we look where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, we see where the Essene community uh, copied those scrolls and probably put them and lived a very holy, very private life there in that, that place. We also go into the Dead Sea, which is dead, by the way, and it's loaded with salt, so people that go into the water, people are always swimming there in that very small area, they, they kind of bob like a cork. There's also in the Dead Sea uh, probably uh, hundreds of feet of, of mud. You can actually buy at many malls. They'll be selling that mud to you as a therapeutic thing you can put on your skin. It's supposed to help your skin relieve arthritis and uh, help skin uh, things and make you soft skin, all that, all that kind of stuff is supposed to do for you. 
And so they sell it there as well. But you can also can actually swim in the water and you kind of put mud on yourself if you want to do that, which many people do. And also bob like a cork, get pictures taken, Facebook it, you know, uh, have a memory. I've been a number of times, I have never done it. My wife, Rod, has been, she's been in the mud. Yeah, she went. And she barely can swim. And she went. Um, some of you have gone, but not me. It's too much trouble. I've got to, you know, I've got to take a shower. I've got to get my bathing suit on. It looks kind of like mucky and murky, and they cover you with mud, and, you know, it's all salty. You know, why would you want to do that? So I've never done it. I sit in a lawn chair and watch everybody else. <laughs> Many times. This year, I'm not doing that. I've made the decision already. I'm taking my suit. I'm going to get in the mud. I'm going to jump in the Dead Sea. I'm going to get a picture taken. Look for it. Uh, I Facebook on occasion for those who know, know that I, look, I Facebook all the time. So you l look for that. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to jump in today. I want you to jump into trusting God, which most of you don't do. Uh, you want to have your future certain. You want no surprises. You want security. You know the things that cause you to anxiety. You want God to fix those things. You know what you're afraid of. God, change that. You know where your doubts come from. Lord, help me do something different. Let's lay that aside and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. The Bible says this about Jesus Christ. God who gave us Jesus Christ will not also give us everything with him. God who sent his son, the book of Romans tells us this, to give his life for us, to have him crucified for us, will he not also with him give us everything else? What did he say? Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. That's what this sermon in today is about. In a few minutes, we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper, sometimes called communion, sometimes called the Great Thanksgiving. We're going to offer you, in, in, in a very special way, a sacrament, we offer you the grace of God given around the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's just God's grace. And, and repentance is a great word I've learned to appreciate for many years. Repentance means lots of things. There's the classic repentance I'm going to accept you as my Savior, Lord. I'm going to give my life to you. I, I re turn up, repent of my sins. I turn toward you. And, and you know what that is. If you've not experienced that, do that. It's not hard. Just give your life to Christ. My life was changed by that. Many of your lives have been changed by that. If not, have your life changed by that. Another kind of repentance is, Lord, I've messed up. Would you forgive me? Help me not do it anymore. Anybody ever done that? Yes, you have. We all have. It's part of Repentance. There's also repentance I'm talking about today. God, I repent of my failure to trust Jesus Christ. And the things I worry about, the fear that I have, and the doubts that drive, drive me are evidence that I'm not trusting you like I want to and you want me to. When you come to communion, I want you to think about that when you receive God's grace in the form of this holy sacrament. And in doing so, God, I repent for the ways I don't trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to jump in. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words you give us today. 
very special words of commands from your son to not doubt, to not be afraid, and to not worry. We do all three. But today, God, we want to change that. We want to jump in. We want to be happy. We want to live happy lives. We want our lives to reflect our faith. We want the good news that has changed our souls, change who we are and change those around us. Forgive this season to you as we together repent. Turn from worry, repent of it. From doubt, repent of it. From fear, repent of it. And come to this altar to trust you with our lives, which we will do, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.